0: Welcome to the new series of A Just Transition brought to you by RBS International. We've been away for a while, but now we're back. We've got a great new set of episodes for you. My name's Tim Phillips and welcome also to my co-host today, Leif Thomason from RBSI.
1: Hi Tim, great to be here.
0: So tell us Leif, what's our first topic for our new series and who's our guest today?
1: The first topic that we'll be covering is ESG regulation for private funds. We'll be looking at the most important pieces of regulation for the sector, the relative differences between the EU, the US and the UK for regulation, and whether private funds can see ESG regulation as an opportunity. And here with us today to discuss the topic is Tonya Plachotnik from Nowis Markets, who is a vice president specialising in ESG regulation. Tonya, tell us a little bit about what you do every day.
2: Hi, hi, Tim. Hi, Lev. Pleasure to be here today. Yes, absolutely. So in essence, my role is about helping our customers to keep a pace with the fast evolving regulatory and institutional requirements that can have an impact on the sustainable finance ecosystem. I monitor and analyze the key policy and regulatory developments related to climate and sustainability. And I inform customers on the main trends and their implications, including via creating relevant content and thought leadership. Tonya
0: for private funds, do they need to have a strategy to respond to regulation or anticipate regulation, I guess? Uh, is it really difficult to keep up with this? Because I know that there is a lot of regulation about it at the moment, and it is pretty dense stuff, isn't it?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. To your first question, Tim, private funds must have a strategy to respond to and anticipate sustainable finance regulations the regulatory landscape is constantly and rapidly evolving. Over the last five years, the focus has been largely on the EU policies and regulations, such as, for example, the EU taxonomy of green activities or sustainable finance disclosure regulation known as SFDR. However, most recently, many more countries and regions started to develop their own frameworks and legislation, including the UK and the US. And on top of that, some of the EU laws are now going to be revised after having been barely implemented. And in addition to being able to comply with all these various rules, private funds need to also consider how these rules would be shaping investor demand in order to be able to identify and manage relevant risks and opportunities. And to your second question, Tim, some funds may indeed be struggling to keep up, especially if they lack the expertise, resources or technology required to navigate this very complex and changing environment as developing and maintaining sustainable investment strategy and ensuring regulatory compliance would definitely require additional resources and smaller funds with limited staff and budget would find it more difficult to keep up.
0: Now, Leif, one of the best bits of this job for me and probably one of the worst bits of it for you. I get to ask you to explain what things stand for. So this all begins with SFDR. Remind us, what is SFDR?
1: So SFDR is EU regulation, sustainable finance disclosures regulation, and it requires managers or fund managers to assess and disclose how sustainability risks are considered in their investment process. And it also critically now requires them to consider principal adverse impacts, which is how their investment decisions may have a negative impact on environmental and sustainability factors. So I think one of the best known parts of SFDR regulation is the Article 6, Article 8 and Article 9 classification of funds. Generally speaking, Article 6 funds are standard funds that do not consider environmental or social impact, but they do still have to consider how sustainability risk impacts their investments or document why they don't think that is relevant to their fund. Article 8 funds are a step above, sometimes referred to as light green funds. They will promote environmental and social characteristics and only invest in companies with good governance practices. And then at the top of the chain, you have Article 9 funds. So these are funds which have sustainable investment as an objective above financial gain, and they're required to provide an index to benchmark their performance against for sustainability factors.
0: Tonya, you don't get to escape from explaining what letters stand for. Leif mentioned Principal Adverse Impact, PAI, indicators. So what are these precisely, and when do private firms have to report them?
2: Without going into the the entire history of SFDR application, which in fact came in, uh, no, 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 (laughs) (laughs) which which in fact came in in several phases by now. Private funds that would fall in the scope of the regulation would indeed need to disclose principal adverse impact indicators from the 1st of January, 2023. And in essence, the goal of this metrics is to provide information about whether funds consider the negative externalities of investment Investments on the environment and society, as uh, Leifert alluded to. Funds need to publish on their websites a range of entity level disclosures known as PAI statement, basically outlining the due diligence policies concerning the principal adverse impacts of investment decisions on sustainability factors. In short, these are 14 mandatory indicators and two optional indicators across the environmental, social, and governance themes that need to be assessed. And for example, they include measures of greenhouse gas emissions, energy efficiency, exposure to controversial weapons, impact on biodiversity-sensitive areas, waste, human rights, and gender equality. These are some of them. If a fund does not consider principal adverse impact indicators, the fund would need to very specifically mention this and also outline clear reasons why PAIs are not considered and whether the fund may consider doing it in the future. In addition to entity-level disclosures, funds would also need to produce product level disclosures. And uh, Leif, again, he alluded to Article 6, Article 8 and Article 9 funds. Across each fund category, there would be a different level of disclosure. So Article 8 and Article 9 funds would need to disclose to what extent PAIs would be considered in the investment decisions. What would you
1: say are the biggest reporting challenges in private markets or for private funds right now?
2: The nature of challenges is broadly the same, actually, in private and public markets, but in private markets, the challenges would be way more pronounced. And I would say the biggest challenge remains around data availability, quality, and usability. Not all companies disclose detailed information about their ESG practices and impacts. Thus, obtaining reliable and consistent data on ESG risks and factors has been quite difficult today. Then... Data sources and methodologies also vary and data may not always be readily available and up to date. Also, the lack of standardized definitions and metrics for assessing adverse impact on sustainability factors can also complicate the data collection and comparison. And this is even more acute for funds with global exposures, where collecting and analyzing data across various regions and markets presents a serious both logistical and methodological challenge. I would also say that data collection comes with costs. It would require additional resources and investment. So GPs may need to invest in technology expertise and additional partnerships to be able to gather, analyze, and report on on that data.
0: These are not small problems, are they, Tanya? The the deadline for the first wave of reporting has now passed. So I assume that many of the people listening to this have already gone through this process. How problematic was the first wave of reporting and what can we learn from it?
2: I think we're really at the stage when everyone reports on the best effort basis, meaning that investment management firms do dedicate at reasonable effort and resource to meet the reporting requirements. The level of detail varies across the reporting produced within the industry, as some firms have more constraints than others, going back to resources and capabilities. Key lessons to be learned, I would say that firstly, transparency is key in the sense that it is really important to be able to explain any assumptions, any estimates behind Mm. the reported information, because yeah, sometimes um, it's not possible to get the real data, and also explain the reasons why certain information cannot be produced. Secondly, the reporting practice is definitely evolving, where some large investment management firms, both in public and private markets, begin to set some good benchmarks and best practice. So it's definitely worth looking at.
1: And Tonya, we've talked a lot about how regulation and reporting can provide a challenge to funds, but Is there any way that funds can also see ESG reporting and ESG regulation as an opportunity for them?
2: It's actually important for funds to see ESG regulation as an opportunity to enhance their business and risk management practices, attract investors and contribute to more sustainable and responsible investing, really. Providing high quality, transparent disclosures of the back of regulatory requirements can certainly help funds differentiate themselves in a pretty crowded market. Secondly, incorporating ESG considerations can help create long-term value of the investment by identifying risks and opportunities that may impact a fund's financial performance over time. So funds that actually address ESG risks effectively can potentially mitigate negative impacts and enhance their financial resilience. Finally, but very, very importantly, the process of trying to work out how to meet all those EHD regulatory requirements can spearhead innovation within a fund's investment strategy. Funds may actually discover new opportunities for sustainable investments, especially in the areas where sustainable practices are developing rapidly, such as climate and socioeconomic transition.
1: Looking from another angle, not just a uh investment decisions, but also funds raising capital. How do ESG regulations affect raising capital in the private fund space?
2: A recent investor survey conducted by Prequin, an investment data company, shows that the main reason why investors consider ESG issues in their investment decisions is a proven link between ESG and financial performance. And the second reason seems to be pure and legal requirements. And these two are, of course, connected. Either way, many investors are indeed increasingly interested in aligning their investments with their values and sustainability strategies. And therefore, funds that incorporate ESG factors and provide clear PI disclosures, for example, and other ESG reporting may therefore be better positioned to attract capital from investors who seek investment options, which consider ESG risks and factors.
1: Antonia, what would an investor be relative to a fund manager in this context?
2: For investors, we would usually consider them to be limited partners, again, insurance companies, pension funds, and others, whilst uh, fund managers would be companies, asset managers, who would be managing the funds on behalf of the limited partners. And they're generally being referred as general partners or GPs. And
1: it's these general partners or fund managers who are affected by these regulations.
2: To a large degree, yes.
0: Tonya, SFDR is European regulation. But what's happening in the US and the UK? Are they approaching regulation in the same way?
2: They're definitely catching up. In the US, last year, they published a proposal for so-called ESG disclosure for funds regulation, similar in spirit to EU SFDR, This regulation would require funds to provide an overview of their ESG strategy and how the funds incorporate ESG factors in their investment decisions. It would also set disclosure requirements for funds labeled as ESG integration, ESG focused, and impact investment funds. And rumor has it that we may still see the final legislation from the US SEC at this side of the year, but um, it is still to be determined given the fact that in the US there is a pretty strong political divergence on how ESG is being considered.
0: Yeah, that's the backlash against. It's woke capitalism. That's what some people yes, are calling it. Aren't yes, they?
2: exactly. So the SEC, they actually have several proposals, and we're, I guess, all waiting to see them. Yeah, this year still, but it's not guaranteed. In the UK, again, there is quite a bit of movement too. So last year, the UK FCA consulted on its uh, draft proposal aiming to increase transparency within the UK financial market when it comes to the sustainability profile of financial products, as well as aiming to reduce the risk of greenwashing. Uh, what differentiates the UK proposed regime from, for example, the EU regime is the introduction of distinct sustainable investment labels. Okay. Like the SFDR, it has become a labeling regime just, I don't know, by how investment managers Again, to refer to Article 8 fund, Article 9 fund, Article 6 fund, the UK FCA decided that they would do something different and they introduced three labels which would have clear requirements uh, that a fund would need to meet in order to be eligible for for that label. But similar to the EU and US legislation, the UK is also proposing to introduce uh, detailed pre-contractual periodic and website disclosures around how uh, funds would be managing their uh, investment risks. And in addition to that, I would say the FCA is proposing to introduce consumer-facing disclosures, kind of an easier way for retail customers in particular to assess the sustainability profile of their specific funds. So whilst the EU is still probably most advanced just because the legislation has been implemented, but other jurisdictions are definitely catching up. And in the UK, we hope to see the final legislation by the end of this year. That's based on the most recent information from the FCA.
0: This regulatory burden, it's not going away. We know that some people are struggling with it. So Tonya, can you give some practical advice to anyone who is struggling?
2: It has been a challenge. First, definitely understand the laws and regulations thoroughly. Interpretation challenges should not be underestimated. GPs may need to seek specialized expertise, including legal advisors and reporting consultants who could get them through the most complicated bits of the legislation and also help with the reporting. Secondly, it is important to create a clear and detailed compliance roadmap that would outline the steps and timelines and responsibilities required to meet the regulatory requirements. Again, consultants, they can help with that, but GPs can do that internally as well, depending on their resources and capacities. Thirdly, GPs should consider making ESG issues an integral part of their investment processes, which would include assessing ESG risks and opportunities associated with investments and actively managing them, because the associated reporting would just come off that process quite naturally. And finally, to support the execution of both compliance and investment strategies, GPs would need to invest in robust data collection and management systems. Ultimately, high-quality data is the backbone of ESG reporting and compliance. This can be a burden in the short term, can be quite painful, but it would definitely make life easier in the medium and longer term. It's important to remember that regulation and reporting are here to stay.
1: Antonia, this podcast is called A Just Transition. And one thing we do every time is ask our guests what a just transition means to them.
2: Uh, Yes, for me personally, it's really about recognizing that environmental sustainability cannot be achieved without simultaneously addressing issues related to social justice, inclusivity and fairness. So that's what just transition means to me.
0: Thanks very much, Tonya. That's a great answer. Very practical. Now, if you've been listening to this and you have found it useful, please tell us. And if you've got other opinions or ideas about what you would like us to discuss, please let us know about that too. But for now, thanks for listening.
1: And remember to subscribe and leave us a review. See you again soon.